0: Thank you so much for joining us for Kingdom Rock Radio. On today's broadcast, Pastor Sumiko Stroud is going to teach from the book of Galatians. Now let's join her in this series entitled, Journey Through the Book of Galatians. This is session number two.
1: All right, well, we are in week two of our study of Galatians, and today we're going to cover chapter two. Now, chapter two, Coincides uh, with Acts chapter 15. And I do apologize for not letting you know that last week so you would have the opportunity to read Acts 15, but we will cover it today. So we're going to cover Galatians chapter 2, and then we're going to refer to Acts 15. Before we get into any of that, uh, those of you that did read ahead or, or read along have noticed that there's a lot of talk about circumcision. Uh, in Galatians chapter two. So I thought we'd go ahead and handle that from the beginning uh, and kind of get that over with. Now, it's so funny because all the men in the room are either grinning or cringing and the ladies are like, what, what? Yeah, because not our problem, right? <laughs> but we're going to talk about circumcision and you're probably wondering, what's the big deal? Well. This is another of those situations where because we live in the great country that we live in, uh, some things just kind of slip by us as far as their importance or what the whole hoopla is about because you know, when you live in a certain amount of advantage, you don't really think about some things. Now for the most part, um, in, our, in the United States, circumcision is kind of done as a matter of course. You have a son, they circumcise him before you even leave the hospital. Some people stop and think about it and, and decide whether they want to or not, and some people elect not to, but for the most part, um, it's almost a, a, you know, just an assumed thing that it's going to happen. And so for us, we're probably thinking, well, what in the world does that have to do with salvation? And why would that cause disagreement Or, you know, in the early church? Why are you going to have to go? What was the whole need for Paul and Barnabas to go uh, to Jerusalem before the church leaders to discuss this matter? Because that's what, is what was going on. We had uh, them teaching the Gentiles. Remember our difference? We had Jews and Gentiles. And the difference between the two? Jews, God's chosen people. Abraham's seed, Gentiles, everybody else. (laughs) And the two did not fellowship or commune with one another. Okay. So, the Jews' uh, circumcision was not just a surgical procedure like we look at it today. It didn't have anything to do with health or anything to do with, um, well, my husband was circumcised, so my son's going to be circumcised. It was all about a covenant uh, that took place between God and Abraham in Genesis chapter 17. So once we get an understanding of that, we will see what the hoopla was all about, because what was going on um, were the Jews who had become Christians were insisting that the Gentiles who became Christians be circumcised. And Paul said, no, circumcision is not required as a part of salvation. And we're going to talk about why that was so uh, such an important distinction and why it needed to be decided the way it was. Genesis chapter seventeen says When Abram, it was Abraham's name before the Lord changed it, when when Abram was ninety years old, ninety nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said to him, I am the almighty God, walk before me and be thou perfect, and I will make my covenant between me and thee and will multiply thee exceedingly. And Abram fell on his face and God talked with him, saying, As for me, behold, my covenant is with thee, and thou shalt be a father of many nations. Neither shall thy name any more be Abram, but thy name shall be Abraham, for a father of many nations I have made thee, and I will make thee exceeding fruitful, and I will make thee, and I will make nations of thee, and kings shall come out of thee. Now you're thinking, okay, so what's the big deal? God's going to bless him, and he's going to have a lot of children. What was the big deal about that? Because he was 99, right? he didn't have any. Well, he had had one at this point, um, Ishmael. Uh, so that's the big deal when you're almost 100 and Lord says, I'm making make you many nations. You think, well, I don't have any kids, Lord. There, There's going to be a problem there. And so this is a covenant that he agrees with him. If you will walk before me and be perfect, I mean that you will conform to the standards that I'm giving you. You're going to have to be different than those that are around you. Uh, if you will do that, then I will bless you. Okay. So, we skip down Genesis 17, verse 11. Uh, It says, and ye shall circumcise the flesh of your foreskin. Y'all all right? And it shall be a token of the covenant betwixt me and you. So, the covenant was not circumcision, but circumcision was the token of the covenant. It was the outward sign of the inward promise between Abraham and God. And so God tells him that you know, he's to be circumcised in every male in his household on the eighth day uh, and, and still now in Jewish, Jewish custom to have a ceremony where the male children are circumcised on the eighth day um, after they are born. And, and there's a you know, little gathering there. But that is not the, the covenant, that is the token or the symbolism of the covenant. Much like when, when we get married, my ring, and we talked about that before, is a symbol of the covenant. But if I don't wear a ring, some people are not, can't afford to buy wedding rings when they first get married, but they are still married, right? You still enter the covenant. Well, this was a sign of the covenant. So when the Jews uh, were telling the Gentiles, you're going to have to be circumcised, uh, they weren't just talking about the physical act of being circumcised, what they were in fact saying is that you are going to have to come under the entire Jewish law to be saved. Now what is the problem with that? Is that we've already discussed that the law, although it could show us that we needed salvation, it could not reconcile us to God the way we needed to be. What did that? The work of the cross. So in effect, it was saying that the work of the cross was not enough. It was taking away grace. It was telling them, okay, yes, you believe in Jesus, that's all well and good, but you're gonna have to come under and do all of this that we've been doing uh, in order to be born again. And that's where the problem lies. So sometimes we have to be careful. Some things that may seem like a simple act, of, well, okay, you just need to have this procedure done. Well, we need to stop and think about what does that procedure mean? And what they had lost track of, the fact that although that this was a physical thing that they were undergoing, it was to symbolize a relationship between Abraham and God. Okay? Okay. We all together? All right. So that's where we are with circumcision. So that's why it's so important. And that's why, you know, when we talk about it, I want you to know it's not... Sometimes we lose a little sight of that because, you know, like I said, it's not for most of us here. You think, I don't understand what that has to do with going to church, you know, being circumcised. So hopefully that puts a little light on it there for you. Okay. So now, as we talked about last week, uh, Paul is teaching and... uh, preaching to the Gentiles and he's teaching them grace uh, and he's teaching them being justified by faith. And we talked a lot about that in Romans as he went through and led and outlined the plan of salvation. But what was happening was after Paul was establishing churches and he was getting people where they needed to be, then there was another group that was coming in and saying, Paul is not giving y'all the whole story. You Yes, you do need to believe in Jesus to be born again But there's more that you need to do And Paul had pretty much had enough And so he says, okay, once and for all Let's go um, to the church leadership, the church elders in Jerusalem And let's want to get this thing uh, nipped in the bud uh, once and for all So now the, the, the pillars of the church As we would call them, or our church leaders Are Peter, we remember Peter, don't we? and John and James. Now this is not the Apostle James. This is James, the brother of Jesus, who did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah while he was alive, but did after the crucifixion. And he's also the author of the book of James. So he got good and saved, you know, afterwards. And so these uh, gentlemen here are considered like the, the eldership or like the pillars of the church. And so Paul, who are players here, we've got Paul, and working with Paul is Barnabas. We talked just briefly about him last week. And then they have with them Titus, who is a Gentile believer, who has not been circumcised. And so he's going with them and they're going to go and have a conversation with the church leaders to find out because Paul says, I need to know whether or not I've been running in vain. So he's going to go and talk to them about this whole matter of whether the Gentiles have to be circumcised, which is, in fact, bringing them back under the Jewish law. Now, we know from last week that when Paul had his experience with God, he then went away to Arabia to be taught um, of the Lord before he went out into his ministry. So do we really think that Paul has gotten it wrong? No. He, he knows what is right, but you, you know, he's going through the proper channels to confirm uh, with them. But let's just make sure we're all on the same page here. You know, and that's good to do. Let's just make sure we're on the same page. These people keep coming by. They're confusing um, the new converts. Let's just get this all ironed out. And so he goes... Um, To Jerusalem, excuse me, and they get there and they kind of do like a little missionary report. You know, we've had missionaries come in and they come in and tell you everything that's going on. So they kind of do that. And Titus is is almost like their visual aid, you know, so to speak. He's a, he's a Gentile and he's a believer and we can look at him and see, yeah, he's not been circumcised, but we can look and see that he is still as much a believer, um, you know, a saved man as the rest of us in the room. Yeah, poor Titus. I wouldn't want to have to be in his shoes, because <laughs> if things doesn't go the way they hope it was, there's going to be a little something he was going to have to experience, right? And so they go and they give their report. They are welcomed, um, and of course, they Peter, John, and James agree that you know it is the grace of God, you know, wherein we have believed. Um, and uh, so, there, but during, during their report, there's some believers uh, that were Pharisees that, that came out and they insisted uh, that the Gentile converts be um, circumcised and that they be required to follow the law of Moses. And Paul says something, you just have to love his language uh, the way he puts it. Let me see if I can find it real quick in <laughs> Galatians. It says, um, there were some false brethren, you know, who, who were there. And he says that they come to spy out our liberty. Well, you've read it, it's in there. And that's what he says, he, he considers them, you know, they're like pretend Christians. He said what they really wanna do is just come and spy out our, our freedom and put us back into bondage. And that still happens today. Sometimes you have people that come in church that just wanna find some way to put you back under some kind of stronghold or some kind of bondage. And Peter responds, um, to them or to to the congregation or to the group Uh, beginning at verse 7 it says at the meeting after a long discussion Peter stood and addressed them as follows brothers you all know that God chose me from among you some time ago to preach to the Gentiles so that they could hear the good news and believe God knows people's hearts and he confirmed that he accepts the Gentiles by giving them the Holy Spirit just as he did us Right? So that is an experience that Peter had had, and that's the thing that the Jews um, that were insisting on a circumcision were forgetting, was that it was a sign of an inward covenant. There was a heart matter that had gone on between God and Abraham. It wasn't just that physical component. And so Peter is reminding them that God knows people's hearts. And we have to remind each other of that sometimes, don't we? That it's not so much about what is going on on the outside of them or how many rituals that you participate in and the things that you do. God knows what's going on in our hearts and you can go through those rituals you can I mean, how uh, I bet that there were plenty of Jews that had been circumcised whose heart was no more nearer to God than Gentiles that weren't so we have to be careful that we don't get caught up in what we see people doing that's why it's important for us to not judge one another because all I can do is see your corresponding actions i don't know what kinds of changes are going on in your heart okay you know for the good or the bad you can act you know, like everything is just right and not be on the inside. Or you can act like everything is not all right and be going through a real change on the inside, okay? So he says God knows their heart Um, and he confirmed in that, you know, he gave them the Holy Spirit just as he did to us. He made no distinction between us and them, for he cleansed their hearts through faith. So why are you now challenging God by burdening the Gentile believers with a yoke that neither we nor our ancestors were able to bear? Very important point, isn't it? Because what they're in fact telling them is you all have to come back under the law. Now we couldn't do it. Our ancestors couldn't keep it but we're going to make y'all have to come under here just the same. And Peter said, why would you do that? To put a yoke on them uh, that we couldn't even do. We weren't able to. And that's another reason Jesus had to come and die on the cross because we, we could not do what the law was requiring us, requiring us to do. Okay. We believe that we are all saved the same way by the undeserved grace of the Lord Jesus. And so Paul and Barnabas get their confirmation, so to speak. Yes, you all are doing right. That is how we believe. That is the gospel. It is by grace. It's not about works. It's not about coming back under the law. The the cross has fulfilled the law. So no, there's no need to burden uh, our Gentile brothers by making them try to come under and do something that even we and our ancestors couldn't do. Okay, so that's Peter's response. So we see where he is because that's important. It's going to come up again later. All right now, and so then James uh gets up, and he has something to speak, you know something to say he says, "Look, you know we don't make it difficult for them." Uh, Only let them abstain from eating food offered to idols, uh, sexual immorality, consuming of blood, eating of uh, animals that were strangled. Uh, Those are some things that were common in Gentile culture because they were worshiping other gods and in false idols. And there were some rituals that were connected uh, with that. So he's telling them there's some, some things you need to break away from. Um, you know, in, in your dealings, you know, just sort of just some teaching. You want to be, stand before God clean, uh, some ways to clean you up. And telling somebody to abstain from sexual immorality, that's, that's just good business. You know, you just, <laughs> you just don't want to be involved. He was trying to prevent them from being even further entangled uh, with things of their flesh, okay? And that's what he said. So so then the group decides, okay, well, let's send a delegation with them uh, back to Antioch with a letter from us so that people will know that this is where we stand and those groups that are going about sowing discord and causing problems are not somebody that we sent. They don't speak on our behalf. We are um, you know, in favor of what Paul and Barnabas are teaching. We're all on the same page. Everything is going just fine, okay? So that's good, that's what they sent that back. And so at some point later, Peter himself is in Antioch. And this is where we get to the second part where Paul has to defend grace, is Peter is there. uh, Antioch, the churches there are primarily Gentile believers. And they were having meals and, you know, whatever, and they were fellowshipping, and Peter was fellowshipping with the Gentiles, and he was eating with them, and everything was fine. Now, what we have to look at is that um, when you ate a meal with somebody... That was like you being considered to be coming one with them. Uh, Which is why, you know, there are a few passages in the New Testament where they, you know, look down on Jesus. How can you eat with, you know, the Gentiles? Because remember, these two groups did not have dealings with one another. The Jews or the chosen Gentiles, everybody else. They didn't. You didn't have meals with them. You didn't eat what they ate and you didn't eat with them. So for Peter who was a Jew because remember most of the early church followers were Jews that had been converted. And then the gospel went out as well to the Gentiles. And so he was there and Paul, remember we know that Paul was a Jew um, and they were eating and fellowshipping with the Gentile brothers. They were communing as if they were one and everything was okay as it should be because we are all one in Jesus Christ. It doesn't matter what our heritage is. Uh, We are new creatures. We've been adopted into the family of God. And so they were all fine and things were going well until later on some friends of James came into town to visit. Now have you ever been, uh, and it's uncomfortable, but have you ever been in a group where there'll be somebody that may be popular or maybe a little bit you know higher standing in the community or whatever than you, and when there's nobody else around, they will laugh and talk with you and spend time with you, and everything is all right. But when some of their friends come along that perhaps they may not you know fellowship with you, they may sort of look in like you know, you know wa- a wave of whatever sort of. Hey, and just, you know, kind of have you ever been in a situation where something is uncomfortable, right? And, and it's, it's hurtful because you think, oh, that's how it's going to be. I'm okay when there's nobody else around. You know, some young girls may have even experienced this growing up where a guy was okay to spend time with you when his friends weren't around. But when his friends were around, he acted like maybe, you know, I don't know anything about her. You're like, what? That's how it's going to be. Well, that's what Peter was doing. When those, when his, you know, fellow Jewish brethren came to town, then he got up from the Gentile table and went over and sat with the Jewish brethren. Now, remember, we are in positions of leadership. So when we do those kinds of things, the other Jews looked around, they were like, well, Peter ain't going to eat with him. I ain't going to eat with him. So much so that even Barnabas one of the dudes that had to set up the church it was like, well, I ain't eating with him either then. <clears throat> and so now you've got the Gentile brethren thinking, well, now what's wrong with us? I thought everything was fine, but now the Jews won't have dealings with us. And so do we, is there something we need to do? Oh, you know, what's going on? And you just got to love Paul, you know, somebody that speaks their mind. And I just love the way you know he just he puts it. So Paul uh, confronts Peter, and he says, "And I have to find it. Y'all give me a second to find it. Where is that verse where he says he withstood him? Is it where is it? Okay. Okay. Is it eleven? Yes. But when Peter was come to Antioch, I withstood him to the face because he was to be blamed." Now, you just got to love somebody like, oh, wait a minute. Paul looks around. He was like, wait a minute. This is not right. Now, sometimes we'll look around and see stuff. You see people doing stuff they don't need to be doing. You'll think, that ain't right. I can't believe. You know, you just get to a corner and whisper, I can't believe they did that. You see what they did? But Paul was like, wait a minute. I'm not, I'm not having this. So to Peter's face, he's like, wait. Brother, you are just wrong. <laughs> You know, and everybody's in the room. You're just wrong for that. Now, how are you going to, you know, be up in here with us, and you're going to eat with us, and all going to be fine, and then the other people come from, from the north? Yes. They come at, north or south, 300 miles difference, whatever. It's in there. The other friends come to town, and you going to act like you. Why are you going to We can't go out like that, right? And so Paul is telling him, he's like, look. Verse 14 says, And when I saw that they were not following the truth of the gospel message, I said to Peter in front of the others, Since you, a Jew by birth, have discarded the Jewish laws and are living like a Gentile. That's a blast. It's like, man, you were just eating over here with us the other day. So if you were Jew, and you're going to eat pork with us last week and not act like a Jew. So how now is it today... Um, that you want the Gentiles to follow the Jewish traditions, and you aren't even following them. Amen. Amen. But now you got to love too the fact that Peter is with a is able to withstand a rebuke. We don't get Peter's reply, but we know that he got his act together. You know, but later on we can see how he gets his act together. And so let that be a lesson to us. Nobody likes to be rebuked, but wrong is wrong. And so you got to be thick-skinned enough that when somebody steps and withstands you to your face and say, look, dude, hey, you're not even doing what the gospel says do. So now how are you going to act this way one day and then act, you're leading these people astray because that is what Peter was doing. His actions, although that may not have been his intent, people were watching And what he did caused a ripple and could have caused a very ugly split in that ministry. And we can't sacrifice God's people for one person's feelings. So if somebody has to stand up and confront you, and it's like, you know, because Peter's a leader in the church, and it doesn't say he pulled into the side and said, you don't need to do this, you know, and let Peter, you know, just sort of quietly ease back over to the Gentile side of the room, Sometimes if you do the do openly, you have to be rebuked openly, yeah. respectfully, of course. And that's what Paul does is he lets him know. He doesn't just get up and say, you just wrong for that. No, he brings to mind, to remembrance. <clears throat> And lets him know, you know, what is going on. And that's that whole passage there from uh, verse 14 uh, to verse 21. And you can read that if you haven't already. It reads really well in the New Living Translation, if you have that. uh, Breaks it down a little bit better. And Paul says, you know, hey, I, I died to the law. You know, we've talked about that before. When we are, if you're dead to something, you don't go back to it. Because that means you got to dig it up out of the grave, take it out the coffin, dust it off, you know, and say, okay, and put this back on. And Paul says, I'm not doing that. I'm not putting the law back on. It was not effective for what, what we needed. It showed it was effective for its purpose in that it showed us we needed more, but it couldn't give us more. So I'm dead to that now. I have liberty in Christ And I'm not gonna go back and dig that up and put it back on. And what you're doing, Peter, is in effect telling us that's what we have to do. And that's not right. Because remember, we know how Peter believes, don't we? Because he just said it when Paul was there at the Jerusalem Council. So this was an opportunity for Peter to walk out what he taught. And we have those opportunities, don't we? Because it's easy to get up here and say something if you're teaching a Bible study or if you're just sharing the word of God with somebody, but it's more challenging when you are hit in the face with having to live that out. And that's what was going on here is that now Peter had the opportunity to express in his actions that he truly believed that the Gentiles were just as much his brothers, Uh, the Gentile believers were just as much his brothers as the Jewish believers. And that was overcoming a lifestyle of thinking and behaving one way that now you've got to do something a little different. And Peter had had a problem with that before when the Lord told him to go and fellowship with Gentile believers. Peter was like, hold up now. You know, you're God and all. I believe you saved us all. But, you know, and that may, we may have that. What if God tells you to go and spend some time fellowshipping with somebody that you think is beneath you? Because whether we want to admit it or not we could probably all think of a group of people that we think is beneath us. And you may not be proud that you think that, but there may be some people that you think, oh, I gotta hang out with them now. Let somebody else take them to gospel. Or how would you feel if, you know, the church sees you hanging out, you sitting on the curb with, you know, some, some people that just sort of thrown their life with some castaways of society? And you're hanging out with them. You got them all up in your house. I mean, think about it. That's different. You could go and take the gospel to somebody. But when you have them in your house. And you're fellowshipping with them. And you're sharing food with them. Because what looked at is, um, if I'm eating from this part of the loaf of bread. And you're eating from that part of the loaf of bread. We are one. Mm -hmm. We are on the same level. And that can be a challenge. And we can go and take the gospel to people, but what if you have to bring those people inside your circle, inside your, you know, in your you know, special place there, and spend time with them and let them know that we are on the same level. We are one in Christ. That's not so easy to do, and that's the challenge that Peter had, is yes, I believe that, but when it came time to play it out, not just in private, but with everybody else, around and watching, what are you gonna be able to do? And I know that he had to be grateful that he had somebody that cared enough about him to stop him in his tracks and say, you know, that's wrong, You know, Peter, you're, you're behaving wrong. And we should love each other enough to be able to do that, to correct one another when we are doing something that's wrong. Now, will we get offended? Of course, anybody here been offended before? I've been offended, I was offended just the other day. But it happens, and when offense comes, the best thing to do is to stop and say, okay, well, what am I doing here? Am I doing something that's wrong? You know, do I need to, is there something I need to correct? Or was there some misunderstanding? There's a conversation you need to have with the person that's drawing you out, you know, kind of thing, but we gotta be thick-skinned enough to deal with it and sometimes we aren't. And I don't know how we got to be so wimpy, but sometimes you can take some of the strongest people and once they get saved, they just get so wimpy. I don't know what is going on. But we have to be mindful that, you know, hey, people's lives are at stake. And if I'm doing something that's going to cause a brother or sister to fall away, if I am going to take away their liberty and put bondage on them because that's what his actions did. We can't just do what feels good to us. I may have to be a little uncomfortable to keep uh, someone else from having to go from liberty to freedom. Now that's not me being in bondage to keep them out of bondage, but that's me being a little uncomfortable to keep them out of bondage. You see, there is a difference. And so we have to be mindful um, of that. And so that is what goes on in Galatians chapter two, is we are reminded that we are all saved by the grace of God. It's undeserved. There was nothing we could do to earn it, right? And we don't take that liberty and then put strings on people to pull them back under the law. We don't put them back in bondage. Uh, You know, we, we are all free in Christ and we all need to stay free in Christ. Uh, but that is just so important uh, for that. Now, does anybody have any questions or comments? Remember, you have to go to the microphone. Let's get this microphone turned on so that we can hear you on our recording. Yeah, so if you have any questions or comments, we're at the end of class. Uh, you can go ahead to the microphone and add your little bit for our audience sake. Anybody? All right, now y'all gonna be all quiet. That's just wrong. Okay then, well next week we will move on to Galatians chapter 3, chapters 3 and 4 I think. Are they on the same section on the, does anybody have one of those outlines with them? I think it covers sections 3, chapters 3 and 4. We'll see how far we get. 3 and 4, what's that section titled for section 3? Instruction about grace. Okay, so we're going to learn a little bit more about grace uh, next week. And we're just sipping on through Galatians. So next week, we'll go ahead and read chapters 3 and 4, and we'll see how far we get. Uh, Some of this, as you can tell, and what we'll probably do uh, when we finish Galatians is go ahead and go over into the book of Acts. Uh, because there's a little bit of things that correlate uh, the two because the book of Acts is actually talking about their um, missionary journeys where the church is being spread and they're going out and setting up. It's the Acts of the Apostles, the things that they did. Uh, So there's been a little bit of reference back and forth. So we may go ahead and cover uh, the book of Acts afterwards. So for those of you that like to really, really read ahead, uh, you can go ahead once you finish Galatians And spend a little time in Acts. Okay, so for next week, Galatians chapters 3 and 4. Thank you guys so much for being a part of our Sunday school program. And you are all
0: dismissed. We pray that you are richly blessed by today's message. We would love to connect with you. Just go to our website at kingdomrock.org. You can become our friend on Facebook or follow us on Twitter and subscribe to our YouTube channel and a whole lot more. Right there at kingdomrock.org. We would love to hear from you. And if you're in the Bremen area, please stop by and join us every Sunday morning. Sunday school is at 9 a.m. and Sunday morning is at 10. Wednesday night, we have what's called Hour of Power. It starts at 6.30 p.m. All are invited. We're located at 180 Helton Road in Bremen, Georgia. Give us a call at 770-537-1933. We would love to hear from you. And if you have a prayer request, by all means, please log on to our website at kingdomrock.org and click on the prayer page. Until tomorrow, remember that Jesus is Lord. Choose him as your Lord today. Only he can make a way.